Welcome to the Real Immunity Podcast, where we'll dig deeper into the concepts from the Real Immunity film series. Learn more at realimmunity.org. We're back with Scylla today with a health update, and we haven't been back for with a podcast for quite a while. Gosh, how many months has it been? Over two months. Uh, since January. Since January. Okay. So we have a long overdue health update for Scylla. And Scylla, do you want to go ahead and pick up after uh, what happened when you went to Spiro and bring us up to date as to where you are now? Sure. So Sp- the Spiro Clinic in Fayetteville, Arkansas, specialized in complex regional pain syndrome, CRPS, which is what I, I assumed I had because I couldn't use my right arm. I had a great deal of neurological pain in my arm and hand, and I went there. So they, um, within the first week, my clavicle mysteriously fractured there at, at Spiro. We were going to leave and come home, but the director convinced us to stay, that there was still positive results that could occur by being there. And the modalities that they had at Spiro were things like vagus nerve stimulation, magnosphere, electrostim, oxygen therapy, uh, neuromuscular re-education, many different non-invasive type modalities that they were seeing success with people with CRPS who were coming in in wheelchairs or crutches who after 12, 16, 20 weeks were able to walk out. So that was the carrot that was constantly dangling and just might everything might change tomorrow. Everything might change tomorrow. So I stayed and um, became more and more discouraged as my symptoms grew worse and worse. The pain in my arm grew worse. My sleep got worse. I was unable to use my hand at all. So they sent me along to a different specialist, a quantum neurologist in Nebraska. So we drove eight hours. We spent one week in Nebraska. And this is after about nine weeks at Spiro. And that one week with the quantum neurologist was very encouraging, very supportive. I saw him twice a day for an entire week. And hold on just a minute. And um, what happened there, he explained to me that there are a number of things that impede the progress for CRPS, one of them being latent infections, another one being uh, um, uh, scar tissue, and the other one being simply effects of aging. And he felt that I had all three, that I, you know, I was older, that I had a lot of scar tissue from the mastectomy, and that I possibly had a latent infection of some sort. So he worked on me for a week. And the, the main thing that happened there, I, I actually had a couple of 
very large lipomas on my back. Lipomas are just fatty tissues. You see them a lot on dogs as they age, just a lump, the soft lump. And I had two that were golf ball size on my back and working with Dr. Sheen, they disappeared. It, it was beyond amazing. They disappeared. So my faith in him soared and I continued to work with him. And, and the biggest emotional shift that happened with him is that I became less and less skeptical and afraid of doing any kind of imaging and finding out exactly what is going on. So we left there back home after 10 weeks of being gone from the end of January to um, April, sometime in April, we got back home, had an MRI and the MRI showed that I had a large mass that was encasing my brachial plexus. And the brachial plexus is the group of nerves in your upper shoulder. Because at that point, I was unable to use my right arm. The pain was very, very severe, keeping me up at night. And it was clear there was something else going on. So at that point, I uh, contacted an oncologist. I scheduled a PET scan decided I was going to go all in, finding out what's going on. And at the same time, uh, my husband, Neil, his mother died that week. So the plan was he was going to be going to the funeral. And I investigated a couple of programs and uh, sent these programs through well-respected colleagues who would do their research, come back to me with re references and and some of those programs were off the table completely. And at the same time, we kept praying and praying and praying for direction. So a program popped up in Tijuana. And they wanted me there as soon as possible once they saw the MRI. They said that the tumor had affected my sensory neurons, but not my motor neurons. And once that happens, you lose all function of the limb. So they wanted to uh, treat me before that, that happened. So I basically said to the oncologist, we're going to be going out of town for a funeral. I need to just reschedule. And their response was, well, we can't do a PET scan because if you do a PET scan, then you have to be treated immediately. So we have to cancel the PET scan. So I did so, and I came here to Tijuana on April 23rd, Sunday. So um, they picked me up from the airport, drove me from the San Diego airport, drove me across the border, straight to a hotel. The next morning, I had blood work at seven o'clock. By that afternoon, I had met with an oncologist, with the radiologist, with all the technicians. By that night, I had my first uh, radiology treatment. So the treatment plan was to do a very targeted, low-dose radiology for 10 treatments in conjunction with very low-dose chemo. And the way they described it is that the radiology stops all replication immediately and Cancer is immortal and very intelligent and is constantly looking for another route and a way around. 
So as the replication is stopped, it begins to figure out how to keep going. And then they come in with very low dose chemo, which stops that in its tracks. And by low dose, um, they gave me 10 milligrams of what typically in the U.S. is used in 80 milligrams daily. And they said that this method was actually used in the U.S. in the 1980s, I believe, but it was highly successful. So it cut into the bottom line of pharmaceutical companies and it was stopped. It's no longer available in the U.S., but Dr. Vargas does use it here. And he's been treating stage four cancers for 40 years. So I have a great deal of respect for him. Every other method or agent or medication, anything I brought up to him, he told me when it was developed, where it was developed, how it was used, what the stats were, and why he was or was not using it to date. So my confidence slowly grew. Of course, it was a step into a very foreign world for me to step out of my fear and dread of Western medicine, the allopathic world, but I did so with trust. I spoke with a couple of three of his patients who were stage four, who were all told to go home and die and are all now in remission and fine. And some of those people even hired a private investigator to investigate this particular team, they came up squeaky clean with the highest integrity. And that was enough for me to place my trust in the process. So here I am. And so you've been there about two weeks. Correct. I've been here two weeks. The initial program is 10 actual um radiology sessions, one a day for two weeks, Monday through Friday. And then the radiation continues to work for six to eight weeks after you finish. And it continues to work. Um, They can do one field at a time. And by field, I mean an area of the body. So most importantly was my brachial plexus, my shoulder, my arm, also my sternum and my cervical Spine because there were lesions there and my clavicle. So that's the field he started on. And with further CT scans, he found additional lesions in my pelvis, iliac crest, lower spine, which he asked me to stay two more weeks to target a second field. So the next two weeks we'll we'll target this second field. Um, Meanwhile, he brought me to an immunologist. Um, His connections with the best of the best has been in place for 25, 30 years here. So he knows who he wants to use and they're available to him immediately. When he says to me, we're doing a CT scan, be ready at one o'clock. We're taking you there. Or we're going to see Dr. Munoz seven o'clock tonight. He's going to see you. 
And literally there have been some days where he was with me from nine in the morning until nine at night. The individual care is unbelievable. There, there are two of us here now. So two patients, there were three for a while. And I can't say enough about the team, the compassion, the attention. Um, there's uh, Marcelino is someone that takes us back and forth to appointments, radiation, et cetera. So we're in the van with him every day, multiple times. And he, from his knowledge of other clients and what they've experienced, he can say to me, oh, you have a sore throat? That's probably because X, Y, Z. And what we usually see is by day six, this will happen or that will happen. And he, he's typically correct because he's he's seen so much. And he'll always preface it by saying, I'm not a doctor, but this is what I see with with the other patients. So it's and he at one time he said to me, if you message me and I don't answer in 10 minutes, you call me. Because I'm there for you 24 seven. Wow. And Dr. Vargas um, whom you have a picture of, we'll, we'll post that picture. Um, he also said, I am your doctor. Here's my phone number. When you go back to the States, you can call me at any time because he knows that we're not going to get a U.S. oncologist to really work with him. So wow. amazing. So um, this was a big step into the you know, more conventional route, but they do use some holistic measures there, don't they, or no? They do IVs of vitamin C, B12, um, something called Ketorlac, which is a uh, anti-inflammatory. The, the thinking in Mexico is not to use narcotics for cancer. So they use high-dose anti-inflammatories and um, analgesics that are not high schedule. So they did, they brought in a pain specialist who gave me a patch and that took like 36 or so hours to kick in. And then something called tramadol, which is a narcotic, but it's the lowest rung of narcotics. So I literally got off oxy immediately. I have not taken oxycodone for over a week at all. And I've had no withdrawal symptoms whatsoever. So talk a little bit about your current symptoms and your pain and just physically where you're at. Yeah. So the most wonderful thing is that I can sleep. That was so compromised and I can't I don't have an explanation for that other than the pain, but I, for six months, I didn't sleep more than two or three hours a night and it was torture. And when I wasn't sleeping, all I was doing was crying. It, it was pretty torturous and the pain was indescribable. Nerve pain, shooting pain, squeezing pain, pressure pain, burning pain. It was just indescribable. So at this point, I'm sleeping all night long with no pain meds. I have my patch and I, sometimes I take CBD at night to sleep and that's it. Um, I do have pain in my shoulder. And he said, that's because my clavicle is reconstructing. Such a large percent of it is completely deteriorated 
from the cancer. So it's reconstructing. And he said, it'll be stronger than before, but will take a long time to reform correctly. It'll just be calloused and strong. So lifting my arm is very painful. I cannot lift my right arm. I can't use my right hand very much. Um, so that's the main source of pain. And then because of the radiation um, aimed not only in this area, but my sternum and my cervical spine, it erodes the tissue on the esophagus. So I have some throat pain, which they made a little concoction up of a number of different things. They said it's similar to thrush, it's inflammation. Um, you know, there's a number of components to it. So I just take a swig of this stuff before I eat and hopefully, and then I'll be looking through remedies. I don't have all my remedies, but once I get home, I'll be able to address this as well with a few remedies. But right now just swallowing or hiccuping is, is pretty painful. Um, yeah. Oh, the first night we, we got here, we both got food poisoning. So Neil, it was multiple rounds of diarrhea. For me, it was projectile vomiting that was out of this world. I, poor Neil was, I was at the toilet, but he had to clean up the bathroom floor. That's how forcefully I was vomiting. So he was doing that and joking with me. If I weren't married to you, I'd never do this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. 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 So I had no appetite for three days. Um, I jumped on a scale thinking, I wonder what I weigh because Dr. Vargas kept saying, you've got to eat, you've got to eat, you've got to eat. And three days later, I was six pounds heavier than when I got here. So it's got to be the fluids going in me, the vitamin C and all the fluids. But, and now my, my main, my, my main crave is like, fresh fruit, like watermelon, mango, water. That's about it. We did get to a grocery store. We found um, some turkey that was no additives, no nitrites, no, you know, had a whole list of everything that wasn't in it and practicing my Spanish and then have my translator on my phone that I can ask at the grocery store. And we've been able to, we found a bag of carrots that was packaged in the U.S. We bought those carrots. We're just nervous about food poisoning again, but yeah. yeah. So what do you, what do you do for water? Are you getting bottled water? Oh, that's really interesting. In the hotel, they have a spigot that's reverse osmosis water. Oh, nice. so yeah. All of our water is RO water. And Marcelino, our guy said he had a patient here from Toronto or somewhere and he brought water from Toronto, water from San Diego and this water tested all three, and this water came up the cleanest. Really? Yeah, so we're confident with the water, and that's all we're drinking. Wow. So that was, um, when you got the food poisoning, was that before you were at this hotel then? Were you, were you? No, it was at the hotel, and they had a buffet. So we went down to the buffet, and... I had nothing with meat. I had vegetables. I had refried beans. I had a tortilla. I did have some cucumbers. I'm trying to think what else I ate, but no meat. Neil had some soups that had meat in them. Um, but his diet was 
pretty much different than mine. So I'm not sure what did it. We were perplexed completely, but yeah, yeah, unnerved. I thought it was the water um, initially from what you had told me. I was like, oh, it must be the water since you guys were eating different things, but apparently not then. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. But once you throw up like (laughs) that, boy, you don't want to eat again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it took you several days, right? Oh, yeah. My appetite didn't come back for three days. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, um, so as far as going forward, bring us up to date, like how long are you going to be there for? What's the next steps after that? Yeah. Um, I'm here for two more weeks. I was, I had another CT scan today. Those films went to Dr. Medina, who is the um, oncological radiologist. He will develop a plan for that field, which will be liver, pelvis, lower spine, that plan gets sent to a company in the U.S. that rechecks it. And then that gets sent back to Mexico where they have a physicist recheck it. So it goes through three people to determine millimeters, depth, range, you know, everything about the targeting. So there are no mistakes. And then Monday, I will start radiation on my lower half. And that will be 10 sessions again, um, once a day, which the, the radiation is not a big problem except holding my arm up because I can't lift my arm. So both my arms have to be completely over my head and it's extremely painful. So, and it's about, I don't know, 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes of that. So what I've been doing is using Ho'oponopono. Are you familiar with that? You know, that's yeah, basically the Hawaiian the, chant. Yeah. 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 The Hawaiian chant. I love you. Thank you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Yeah. And I just say that over and over and over again, and then go into detail. I love you. This person, this person, this person. I love this machine that's helping me. I love that I could be here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I go through everything. And, you know, I'm sorry that I'm hard-hearted enough that I couldn't accept this treatment until now. And please forgive me for, you know, whatever personality qualities I have that have stopped me from learning and growing. Or, you know, I just do it again and again and again and again. And then I said to the radiologist, please, the minute you're done, say over the intercom, so I can lower my arm because once they're done, it takes them time to shut everything off, open the door, get in the room. And I want to know instantly when I can lower my arm because the pain's so bad. Yeah. Wow. And then, um, so after you have the next round of treatment here for your, for the new, new place, then you're going back to the States. Is that right? Then I go home and they will send me home with a couple of different meds, also a drug that is used in the U.S. as a chemotherapy, but they have it as a subcutaneous shot and it has to be given in a very precise way. It's not just an easy, simple sub-Q in the stomach type shot. 
And they said they will teach me, they'll have a nurse teach me how to do that so that I can give it to myself. And I think it's once every three weeks. Um, I can't recall, but I will do that. And then they want me to come back every two months for a checkup, a follow-up, and they will do a PET scan in, um, eventually, but they cannot do a PET scan till you've been done with radiation for at least eight weeks because that will skew the PET scan. They have to have it after eight weeks after the last radiation. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So, so you've got a bit more time ahead of you and then you'll be checking back up every two months then. Yeah. 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 Every two months. Yeah. If I lived in San Diego, it'd be easy. Just drive over the border, but <laughs> flying from Minnesota will be a little bit of a challenge. And yeah. But yeah. I know. Well, maybe you need to get a little spot in San Diego then. <laughs> yeah. Or Mexico. Yeah. I'm down <laughs> for that. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. But I, I have tremendous faith in the team. The compassion is unreal. One of the nurses, Carmelita, she was taking me for an x-ray. She says, I've known Dr. Vargas since he was five and I was 12, I took him to kindergarten. And she said, not only is he an outstanding doctor, he is an outstanding human being. And, you know, it's things like that that really give me confidence and the time he spends with me. And when he looked at my films, he would not read the radiology report. He said, I don't read the report. Sit down. We're going to look at the films. He showed me every single film, pointing out everything he saw so he could make his own um, decisions, assumptions, what he was seeing. Then he looks at the report to see because he said too many doctors read the report. That's it. They're done. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Automated doctors. I think that's. So truly what we do have. Um, so Scylla, I wondered if you could share the good news. I haven't heard actually this from you yet, but you were sat down recently with, was it three doctors? Yeah. With, and they With gave the immunologist. Yeah. Dr. Yeah. Munoz, the immunologist, Dr. Vegas, and then one other doctor. Um, they had seen something on my spine that was uh, mysterious lower spine. And they questioned and questioned they were going to do a spinal tap. And then they all concurred that if that thing were malignant, I'd be paralyzed. There's no way I could be walking around with that. And they concluded it was an anomaly from birth. They still may have more to say about it, but they're no longer pushing a spinal tap. And then after they looked over the whole case, they looked at a plan, they looked at me with a big smile and said, your prognosis is very good. And I just burst into tears. Yeah, that's good to hear. Yeah, after yeah. Because this, it's really good to hear. 
yeah, the last six months, I really didn't think I was going in the right direction. So, yeah. Wow. And these are people that see a lot of cases. So that's feels really good to hear, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. They see many, many cases. And I think he said something to Neil about in the last 20 years, it's only been one that's come out of remission. Wow. So he's good. And and most of these people that I've met here, they, they've come and gone. Right now, I'm the only one here, but they were all told by their doctors at home, sorry, there's nothing else we can do because they've had their lifetime limit of radiation and their lifetime limit of chemo. And when you blast somebody with that much, they can't have any more. It'll kill them. So that's the beauty of his method, using very small amounts and then outsmarting this very intelligent organism whose main objective is immortality. How cancer's objective is immortality. It, it continues to grow and he's able to carefully maneuver around to outsmart it and keep it at bay so yeah i feel like our prayers were answered that we prayed for direction yeah and i have direction and and i just want to mention that i so appreciate the prayers that have gone out so many clients so many people have emailed me saying we're praying for you we're, we're sending you light and I truly, truly appreciate those prayers because they do work and I feel them. And I'm just so, so grateful. So a big thank you to all of those individuals. Yeah. Um, and before we go any further, I know one of the big responses that we're going to get is people asking the specific information where are you? What's this clinic? How do they find out about it? How do they get in or get a family member in there? Can you can you share anything specific about that? Yeah, so they only take people by referrals. They do not have advertising. They do not have glossy marketing. They take people by referrals. So I did say I have many, many people following and I want to help. What can I do? And they said, you know, consider the case, consider if you think it's possible to help, meaning somebody who has not been through a lifetime of chemo and radiation, um, and then contact us and have them send all the records to us, and we will make a determination. So, I think what needs to happen is they should probably just go through me and I'll carefully try to assess if it's appropriate to send them and then let them make the final choice about appropriateness. But I know that he literally has only two to four people at a time here. Yeah. So, well, and there was one woman who came in. Um, the night we saw the immunologist, she had come from California and she had been through the ringer, done everything, had all the chemo, all the radiation. Uh, they told her to go home. 
and she begged him to see her and he agreed, took her to the immunologist. She had a shoebox full of records. And when she left, he shook his head and said, I'm sorry, I just can't help everyone. You know, and those people who've had so much abuse, it's just not always possible. So I think they have to be discerning and I, I'm i happy to refer people, but I just, I want it to be a good match for everyone. Yeah. So I would just, you know, take a, a quick look and then send things on to them, but they they would need their... MRI results, their PET scan results, and and what they have had done, what what's been done in their case, what's their diagnosis, what's the biopsy, what are the scans showing, and what's been done. Basically, those few records would be sufficient to then pass along. Great, great, and then that brings us, I think, to our final point, which is the purpose of putting this out here and just uh, sharing with everyone because um, this process for Scylla has been, you know, not only um, physically rigorous and overwhelming, but financially. And, um, you know, uh, insurance doesn't pick up for things like this, unfortunately. And uh, it's been, it's been quite a process to get um, support. So, Scylla is paying out of pocket for her care and we are going to create a, another fundraising account. So we're going to attach it to this podcast for anybody that feels that they could contribute towards the medical bills for Scylla. Uh, we wanted to just openly share the whole process now that we're, you know, we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. It's a, it's a good moment, actually. It's a moment to celebrate, but it's been a long tunnel, hasn't it? <laughs> a long, dark tunnel, a very dark tunnel. And I just didn't know if I would ever see the end. And I'm grateful to all those people who said to me, you're going to get to the other side. You're going to do it. And I just rested on that because I, there were many times I didn't believe it. So, And then I, I actually tried to engage a Western oncologist to try to engage insurance to try to get insurance to pick something up because it's all out of pocket. And that was my attempt, but it kind of faltered. I mean, she wouldn't see me if I wasn't going to see her right away and start treatment. So there was nothing I could do. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to share what my total costs are here. If anybody's interested in that, um, yeah, well, why don't why don't you just share? You know, go ahead and do that now, Silla. You can you can uh, let people know what you're facing. Yeah. So total cost for treatment is about eighty four thousand dollars right now, and then the hotel, it's inexpensive compared to U.S. rates. It's about two thousand um, dollars a week or two weeks, Neil. Two thousand a thousand dollars a week. So an extra $4,000 for the hotel and then our food, you know, on top of that. But so that that's basically the costs. And there, you know, the interesting thing is we didn't meet them at the door with their hands out for a check. Three days wow. in, Neil finally said, here's a portion of the payment. Do you want this? You know, and they took it. So 
profit is not their main objective, which is very comforting. And I know that the remainder of they will let us pay in portions, but still it's not $85,000 we have laying around the house. Right. Exactly. Well, yeah. And I don't think uh, a lot of people do, but this is, this is the time for people, you know, to come, come together and, and support if you can. And if that feels aligned and, you know, I think even a little bit goes a long way. So, yeah. And I just want to say, Courtney, that there are so many good places to donate right now. So many good good sources where people need to put their money. And I'm just one person. So I understand, you know, I don't expect complete support. I just, you know, many people have asked what they could do. And even if it's just a few dollars, it's just, it'll be greatly appreciated. And it given in a prayerful way, it's going to have more impact than anything. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you're not just one person (laughs) because you are somebody that a lot of people have relied on in tough spots, Scylla. So you've been the backbone for so many people. You know, it seems it seems small when you say you're one person, but the impact of you and your you-ness is so much greater. I think that people understand that. And I think that people understand, you know, this day and age, we can't rely on the infrastructure of insurance companies, obviously. And really all there is, is each other. And so that's it. I appreciate that. And there was one night that some things were going on. We were still home and back and forth with the oncology department and the portals, the multiple portals and the billing coming in. And I said to Neil, all, all I want is for someone to treat me like I would treat them. That's all I want. And I just sobbed. And when we got here, Marcelino, our main contact, he said to me, I just, treat people the way I want to be treated and when he said that it was like so meaningful to me it just went straight to my heart that's so sweet (laughs) so beautiful yeah all right well Scylla is there anything else that you want to say to the people listening today only that you know I've preached natural medicine for 20 years and stood on a soapbox and thought I, I knew a lot. And the more I learn, the less I know. And this has humbled me in a way that's indescribable. And it's turned my world upside down. And I still have a fervent knowledge and belief in homeoprophylaxis because I've seen 200 years of proof behind that. But all the rest of it, diet, methods, you know, all the rest of it. I just, it's going to take a long time for the dust to settle and for me to understand what I believe anymore. That'll be another really interesting conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Something has really shifted. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. I'm not coming out of this the other end the same person. <laughs> yeah. Good. Okay. Well, hopefully we'll be back again to talk about this and continue the story um, really soon. And in the meantime, we're all going to continue to send prayers to Scylla for her healing. And um, we can use the fundraising platform to stay you know, in touch with people and kind of send little snippets of what's going on. So if you do, if you are able to support, then um, you can get some updates there as well as we move forward. Okay, thanks to everybody for listening and we'll be back soon. Thank you, Courtney. Much love. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. You can go to realimmunity.org to learn more about health, homeopathy, and homeoprophylaxis, and to watch the Real Immunity film series. Thank you.